Hey, this is Mike Missanelli, and you're listening to the Feed the Embiid, the number one Sixers podcast in America. Yeah, 2-1 on his jersey, playing like he's number one. Best big in the league, and it's no debate. Booze from the haters, point him to the exit. I guess every franchise needs its process. Every franchise needs its own process. Coming down the lane, yeah, watch your head, yeah. We post a every game, yeah. Get your Kodak. Once he gets you under the basket, you better just pray. Hit you with the jab step, knock down, lock from Ben. Get out the way, and one, let the fans know it. Yeah, homie, let the fans know it. Watch the trailer, the three is going in your eye. If you mess, you better get back. Cause if the bees, there won't be a putback. Keep all that trash out of the paint. Cause the bees will put it back in your face. He's a cold blooded killer, and he take no prisoners. Yeah, dump off from TJ. Call it the feed to a bee. Welcome to the feed to Embiid. I am your host, Austin Krell, along with my, a guy who wears what, what? How many studs are in those those ear piercings you got? <laughs> I don't know how you come up with this this stuff at the beginning of every episode. I just got one one stud in each ear, Austin. <laughs> uh, so how much do those things cost? What the the earrings I have? Yeah. Why would I tell you? Just want to scale. I just want to scale the product a little bit. It doesn't matter how much anything costs. It's about how you rock it. So, uh, so that's, okay. that's where I'm going to leave. So that means now. that that means that you paid too much for them. Basically, no. In all reality, I don't even remember what I paid for my earrings. I've had them in for probably like two years now. I had hoops for a little while, gold hoops. You uh, had gold hoops. They, they weren't gold. They were actually sterling silver, I think, <laughs> which I bought at Macy's, and they they were triple digits. They were a pretty expensive purchase. I oh had my them for a couple god! Of months, and then after. Uh, after I wore them, I got a little sick of them, so I took them back to Macy's for store credit, and then uh, bought a bunch of Nike stuff that day <laughs> when I got store credit. Uh, so I haven't had the hoops for a little while. I've just had these studs in them. I, I honestly don't remember what they cost, but it's it's not a lot. Oh my god, you had hoops! <laughs> I had hoops, man. <laughs> I've had every haircut, every accessory. I've done anything you could think of, all before the age of twenty. So I'm a little nervous to see what happens in the next coming. Uh, next couple of years for me tattoo is next now well i mean that would be on the list for for what's next but um no one in my family has a tattoo so i I don't think i'm going to start that trend fair enough all right so we uh we, we 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 get down into it um the sixers have they're they're kind of in a little bit of this period where we we don't really know what they're doing. They're a little bit unpredictable for the first time in a while. Um, and it's kind of like refreshing. It's kind of, I guess, nerve wracking for fans. Um, but they, then Friday night, they go out, they sign Dwight Howard. And the, the, all the buzz was that it was going to be Nerland's Noel. And for the record, it, it was going to be Nerland's Noel. They were like on the doorsteps of a deal. Um, but I, I don't know what the sequence of events looks like, whether it's, um, Lakers decide to go for Gasol, or you know who decides to go for what. But at some point down the line, um, it 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 comes out that they, um, you know that that they're like on the verge of a deal with Dwight Howard, and then suddenly they're not, and then that kind of like fell by the wayside, and then and over like an, like an hour and a half late later, um, it's it's that it's that it's gonna be. Uh, Dwight Howard to the Sixers, mm-hmm. you know. So it's sort of it's just it's bizarre how that all unfolded. Yeah, definitely. And Nerlens Noel got a good value contract from New York. Uh, it was a bit of an underpay, in my opinion, because I thought Noel was worth a little bit more. But if he only got five million dollars, then I guess that sets the market for backup centers. So considering that, the fact that Philadelphia was able to get Dwight Howard on a minimum contract is phenomenal. And I say that because you're not going to get a better value for the minimum contract, uh, let alone for what you'd have to pay for Dwight Howard in comparison to Nerlens Noel. Uh, there really isn't that big of a difference between the two, uh, except for age. Uh, in terms of athleticism, 
I think they're 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 in in a very similar tier. Uh, Dwight Howard, I'd argue, is probably a better athlete and, and comes with a better shape than Nolan's Noel. He's a bigger guy. He's a bigger frame. But in terms of the value you're getting from Dwight Howard on a veteran minimum contract, I mean, defensively, he's had over 70 blocks since 2013. Every season since 2013, he's had highs of 131, 128, 110 plus. So uh, defensively, you get no better value than Dwight Howard, and you got him for the minimum. Uh, offensively, he's not going to be asked to do too much other than get good positioning and finish. And finishing is something that he does really well uh, in every season since 2013, uh, discluding 2018 because that was a shortened year due to injury. He shot over 60% from the field on field goal attempts less than eight feet. Very skilled finisher, defensively incredible. He's been top 10 in the NBA for field goal percentage in five of the last seasons. Uh, so Austin, we would really love the narrative of having Nerlens the well back in Philadelphia, uh, but if you get very similar production as Nerlens well for half the cost in Dwight Howard, uh, you take that deal every single day. Unbeatable value for the vet minimum. Yeah, for sure. And I think one thing that they're looking at and trying to do very diligently is they are trying to figure out the guys that they want or the guys that like. This is this this is the ceiling of what we wanted. So I guess Nerlens Noel was the ceiling for what they wanted, and they mm-hmm. and they had this, this this vision of what they wanted to spend on him. And then from there, instead of looking at the ceiling, it's you know okay now what are the options below this, and how are a bunch of those going to cost us? And that's kind of a far cry from what they were doing previously of like it's seemingly just spitballing numbers at guys like giving Mike Scott. million giving (laughs) Tobias Harris 180. Um, You know, it was a far cry from what they're doing previously, giving out Horford 109. They, 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 it seems like they have identified a ceiling for how, for how high they are willing to go and what that player looks like. And then they're evaluating it instead of a, instead of a bottom up, a top down approach to, okay, now these are all the options below that ceiling. And then this is what they cost. And so they, they, they pay $2.6 million for Dwight Howard. Um, and you know, Nerlens would have cost them, you know, what, what, what 2.4 more? Yeah, around around $5 million a season, I think, um, in New York, right? One season, $5 million. Right, five, right. Five so, I mean, so, I mean, they, they, they saved 2.4 from what they were, from what they would have had to spend mm-hmm. on Nerlens. And, you know, you get a pretty good value pickup in return. Dwight Howard is a, is fresh off of a title with the Lakers. He is, um, you know, he, he's had some character stuff in the past. Um, you know, there have been some stories about whether he was really committed to basketball, uh, whether he took his, his, his physical conditioning seriously, obviously has a, a history of injuries. Um, but he is a guy that you pay – 2.6 mil. He he's gonna he's gonna play what I would say maybe 15 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. Um, to 15, right? And just lobs at the rim, hard picks, and then dives to the basket. He's gonna block shots. I think he had a I think he had a block rate of, um, I want to say like 5.4 percent, which is good. Yeah, yeah, which is pretty good. Um, and so, I mean, he, he's going to do what you need him to do. And then I think more importantly than that, when Embiid is resting, he can step up and give you 20 something minutes per night. Maybe you give those remaining minutes, to Tony Bradley, maybe you experiment with Ben Simmons at the five, but he's going to give you some depth and just reliability that you didn't exactly have uh, from, you know, the past. Like, you didn't have – Kyle Quinn wasn't really anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, Johnson couldn't do anything. Boban Marjanovic was in, was a situational kind of guy. Um, um, Greg Monroe really wasn't effective at all. No. I mean, Al Horford would have been effective, I guess, but just a terrible fit, and just the price was ridiculous. <laughs> and the coach didn't use him as a backup center. <laughs> right. So you don't and know what that fit would have been like. Yeah. So they get that done and then, um, you know, and then their cap space looks like this as follows. It looks like first, um, you know, they still have their taxpayer mid-level exception, which I think is like 5.7 million, something like that. 
and then they also have three traded player exceptions from like the James Ennis trade. Uh, they have one. Um, I forget what it was. And the, it was another one for like over a million. And then they have the one from the, um, the Richardson trade, which was like, just like 8 million. I think all in all, even though they had to, even though they, even though they had to use those, um, those, those trade exceptions, uh, separately and you can combine them to do one big one. Um, they have a total of $11 million in trade exceptions, um, that they can pull from. And so they have that. And they also have the veteran minimum deal. And to be honest, I think with the way that they're building things now with Maury in the front office, with doc as the head coach with, with like credible, uh, you know, assistance on, on Doc's staff, Philly is no longer like this, like has been def- the destination. It's okay. This is a place that I could go to where it might make sense for me as a veteran. Um, I, my guess would be they still have plans in the works to add some more guys, but even if they don't, the buyout market could be an option for them. Mm-hmm. I've said it on three straight podcasts, but I think Doc Rivers saying that he'd prefer the Philadelphia job as opposed to the Houston job as a head coach is a testament to what's going on in Philadelphia. Uh, They've established a good enough culture between Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons to be a destination for Doc Rivers. And at the same time, I think the on-court talent is most definitely there. Uh, They're a big market team, so they're always going to be in contention for free agents. But I think, Austin, you raise a good point in recent years. They've been more of a laughing stock than they have been a free agent destination. Uh, You see guys become available at the buyout market and they want to go to the Los Angeles Lakers, the Clippers, or maybe even the New York Knicks if if New York is active there. Whereas Philadelphia, who's just as big of a market, should be this attraction for buyout targets or should be an attraction for free agents. Now, I feel like with what they've done in both the front office and on the coaching staff, uh, there's going to be top-down accountability. And this top-down accountability is something that guys like and look for in free agency. So, uh, while you may not have been able to land a Kyle Korver or a Langston Galloway or a Dwight Howard yeah. on a veteran minimum in 2018 oh, yes. or 2019, I think this year is a season where those are all plausible things. And they've already gotten Dwight to probably take a pay cut um, because I know he, he's definitely worth more than what he's getting on the veteran minimum. And another team probably would have paid more if Nerlens Noel got that $5 million. Uh, so I think it's definitely plausible that free agents and buyout candidates would want to come to Philadelphia finally, which is something you might not have been able to say in the past three seasons. Yeah, I also think, you know, Dwight says he went, you know, I'm done, I'm, I'm done playing for free. I want to get paid. And then he says, like, one of the deciding factors in coming to Philly was playing time. Mm-hmm. I think he kind of knew that he was stuck on these veteran minimum deals as long as he was playing for a team at the Lakers. And by going to Philly, a bigger role for sure with, you know, not having to like, uh, you know, play against like, like not having to like fight with JaVale McGee for playing time, not having to, um, you know, get, get minutes with, with, with Anthony Davis at center. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, those are the type of things that I think influence the decision because now it's like, you are the un, unequivocal backup center. You're going to play at least 12 to 15, maybe even 18 minutes. Some nights if Joel is in foul trouble. Um, let's see here. Wow, Austin Rivers deal with the Knicks three years, ten million. Mm, yeah, that's a cheap deal for Austin Rivers. Yeah, the Sixers, the Sixers weren't going weren't to pay that. That would have been a bad deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but the um, I, I think this is a means for him, an opportunity for him to go get that the bag that he you know implied that he was that he that, that he was you know looking for, um, and so. I think in ultimately he's going to be able to accomplish that goal of, you know, restoring his reputation, getting the bag, uh, you know, in the last couple of years of his career. But I think this is a really sensible move for him. Um, and I, I do think it's a good thing that, um, you know, Chris Haynes reports that, that, the, that, that, that Joel Embiid was recruiting Dwight Howard. So they're evidently trying to do right by Joel. They want to make sure that he feels like he's loved, 
like he's valued, and I think they're he I think they're restoring the goodwill that he, that they once had with him as a franchise. Absolutely, and I think you've seen a split in the fan base between Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, who people would prefer to trade, who people um, back up in losses and and things of that sort. But I think this is a clear indication that the organization is committing to both. And I say that because Daryl Morey has said three times already this offseason that the Sixers don't intend to trade Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons for at least the time being. So there's that. The second part is that they bolstered the entire coaching staff. You get Doc Rivers, and and Doc, uh, say what you want about his record as a coach. He's been doing it for two-plus decades, and there's no way you stay employed as a head coach in a professional sport for two-plus decades if you're not doing your job right and you're not well-respected. And in terms of being well-respected, there's really no coach that's more well-respected than Doc. He's a powerful voice for the league and, and, and the players' union and representing race relations and this and that with the NBA. So you get Doc. You've got Dan Burke from Indiana, Popeye Jones from Indiana, Dave Yeager. You've got a lot of brilliant minds that are coming to Philadelphia to help unlock Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. And the third reason why I think they're committing to both is because you're going out and you're getting guys that they want to play with. So you get Ben and Joel their help. Uh, you jettison the Al Horford contract. You bring in Seth Curry and Danny Green to space the floor. And Ben Simmons has ties to Tyrese Maxey. So Joel Embiid has a couple of good friends and, and allies on the team now. He was, like you just said, uh, integral in, in recruiting Dwight Howard. So uh, he's got a friend and an ally on the team now. Ben Simmons uh, is a member or at least close to every member on Clutch Sports, LeBron, Rich Paul, and Tyrese Maxey has ties to Clutch Sports too, and they were getting it in in open runs over the summer and during quarantine. So Ben has a friend and an ally on the team now. So I really think as opposed to seeing a split between Ben and Joel on the roster, you have complete unity now, and it feels like they're just one ball club as opposed to Team Joel or Team Ben. For sure. Um, so... I want to talk about some things that we've been seeing. Uh, also, we have to get to the Zaire Smith trade. Um, mm-hmm. So the Sixers trade Zaire Smith tonight uh, to the, to the Pistons. Detroit. Yeah, uh, Tony Bradley. I think all in all, the trade results in a net payroll increase of like 300K for the Sixers. So they're taking on more money um, than, they, uh, than, than, they, than they, you know, sent out. Uh, I was talking to somebody today, a, a writer for another website, and he was and he and he he was actually you know corrected my thinking that the traded play or that the traded player exception could go towards that. It's only for like if you're like trading a a pick for a guy, that's where that oh. exception comes into play. Okay. Um. So that so you know it, it doesn't work like it doesn't work in the sense that like they take on you know, 300 K more than they get in the tick out with, with the Zaire trade. And that goes towards the traded player exception. It's that you have to trade nothing in returns. You basically, you no, there's no outgoing salary, only incoming salary with the traded player exception. And um, so that doesn't really work in that case, but you know, I, I, I am happy for Zaire Smith. I think it's, a, I think it's a new start for him and something that he just really needed. Um, talking to people around his family, I kind of got the impression that um, they were, not wondering if it would happen, but when it would happen. I mean, I think everyone in his camp knew that it wasn't going to be a long-term fit in Philly. They needed to win now, and he wasn't going to be, you know, they didn't have time to, to babysit his development. Um, and, you know, you feel bad. It's been a rough start to his career um, with the allergic reaction, with the with, 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 with the fracture in the foot, mm-hmm. um, and the bone bruise that kept him away from Orlando this year. He never really had a chance to get his footing under him in the NBA. But I think in Detroit he'll have a chance with with in a no pressure environment and a small market. Maybe he can he maybe he can become something. Knowing what the Sixers' fortunes look like in the past, he'll probably become Kawhi Leonard, and then they'll have given him away for Tony Bradley, and that'll be that. Um, and Brett Brown was always right. <laughs> um, so, um, but you know, I I'm interested to see what they think in Tony. They think Tony Bradley is. I I from what I've read, he does have like a pretty good block percentage um for his given his usage i mean i think we all kind of said like okay they signed dwight howard they have joel and we didn't we didn't really like think too much deeper than that because you know we thought that they had fortified their depth but they also need someone to back up dwight when joel is sitting um that's right 
And so that's going to be the guy that they go to. And if, and if they don't feel like they can play him, then okay, then you maybe you give you see what you have with Ben at at the small ball five. But I I think all in all, um, I think Daryl Morey has won just about every every move he's made so far. I think he has too. And this is a trade where it's it's scrutinized because we're East Coast residents and uh, we cover the Sixers, so we're going to have stock in this trade regardless. But to any other team from the outside looking in. This is a TJ Leaf for LeCue trade or an Amari Spellman for Ed Davis trade. It's it's a nothing trade, essentially. The reason we have stock, like I just said, is because we've been covering the team. Austin, you know as well as I do that Zaire Smith was most definitely a project. I think he has potential, and, and as a wing, uh, there's definitely some upside there. He's a freak athlete. He can jump out of the gym. He's really good in transition. He's a good enough defender, and in the right system, he could thrive. But at the same time, Philadelphia drafted Tyrese Maxey at 21 this season, who I'd argue is better at his age coming out of college than Zaire Smith was at his age coming out of college. And they also have Shake Milton. They drafted Isaiah Joe for a Concord Mazas on the team. Matisse Thibel could uh, see minutes at the two position, Terrence Ferguson. So there's really this crowded backcourt where minutes are scarce. And if it was 2018, 2019, with a next man up mentality, you're down to Howell Neto, your 11th, 12th men. Then sure, you can take an experiment with Zaire Smith, but at this rate, the way that Philadelphia has completely reconstructed their roster, uh, there is really no margin for error here. You can't throw a guy out there and have a project playing on the court with five or, or four other guys that you're going to roll out. So Zaire Smith does has have upside, but at the end of the day, uh, it's better to see him maybe grow in a different organization than it would be to keep him stashed on the bench where his trade value will be next to nothing or send him down to Delaware, which at this point in his career would just be counterproductive for him. So I hope he does well in Detroit. And and like you said, Austin, there's that possibility that he does develop into Kawhi Leonard and Brett Brown would have been a mad genius this entire time. But will that happen? I don't think so. Uh, the Tony, Tony Bradley trade, though, uh, is good enough for Philadelphia. The reason I say that is because he's just an extra big body to have. He's, he's an insurance big body. Uh, and he has more range than North Pell. Philadelphia waved North Pell. And defensively, I think the upside was there for North. Uh, he blocked two less shots than Bradley in 20-plus less games. But at the same time, Bradley has some NBA-ready experience defending legitimate starting centers. North Pell struggled against starting centers in the NBA. You can't really stick them on a Brook Lopez or, or a starting caliber center. Whereas Tony Bradley forced Brook Lopez to go one for seven. From the field in 2019, he forced Don Demata Sabonis to go 1-4, uh, Maxi Kleba to go 1-5. So uh, he, he can defend bigs, and like I said, he's an extra body. He's going to be used in a lower usage role than Dwight Howard would be. And that's saying a lot because Dwight Howard is in a really low usage role as it is. Uh, Tony Bradley is going to set screens, he's going to roll to the basket, and he's going to get in good positioning to try to get offensive rebounds. Those are the three things he does well. And those are the three things you can expect expect out of him if he's on the floor for Philadelphia. Yeah, and I think I think that the Sixers, in some sense, have overthought that backup big man position in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, like with the Amir Johnson thing, I mean, he 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 was a nice veteran presence, I guess, but he really just was undersized for a center, especially at his age, and he didn't have any kind of vertical athleticism. Or really any lateral athleticism either. Exactly. Same thing with um with, with with Greg Monroe. Same thing with um uh Boban. Boban. And same thing with Kyle O'Quinn. All they really really need, and all they all at least really needed in the backup center was just someone that had a, that was basically a human pogo stick. Just catch deep lobs, go up straight and dunk. Get you know. Uh, Go up, to, go up, go up to the rim and spike and spike the ball, um, you know, away from the basket. Even if it's a goaltender, just assert yourself as someone who's a as a presence there. They had that in Rashawn Holmes. They traded it away for Wilson Chandler and a Dillett. Never really made sense <laughs> ever. Um, and so, you know, it, I mean, and honestly, if if they hadn't made that trade, who knows if they ever actually go for for Al Horford. Like, mm-hmm. like, like, maybe things are dramatically different now than 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 they ended up being, but um, I just think that it's a really um, 
you know, it's 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 a good it's a good move to bring in Dwight and to bring in Tony Bradley. I think people are are a little quick to dismiss because they don't really know the name. They had some resonating love and feeling for Zaire Smith, who is sort of like a darling child of the team. They felt like they, they felt like the Sixers owed him something, which I mean, and I mean, there it is in a in a sense their fault that he had the allergic reaction. But then again, this is right. business. I mean, exactly. What, what, uh, what do you? I was going to say that you shouldn't be mad that the team traded Zaire Smith to Detroit. You should be mad that the team traded Zaire Smith or, or traded Mikael Bridges for Zaire Smith, rather. Right. Uh, if you're going to be mad about a trade, be mad about that trade, not trading him to Detroit. Because right now, uh, he, he has next to no value. He's just another body you're going to stash away and, and potentially waste years off of his career. And Philadelphia is is paying Tony Bradley a little less than they would Zaire Smith. Uh, Zaire Smith is due for four point five million dollars, I think, a season after this one. So uh, Tony Bradley's here for one season, and and he's here for one purpose. Like I said, it's to set screens, it's to roll to the basket, and it's to shoot high 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 percentage shots. He shot sixty six point seven percent from the field on almost two hundred attempts. That ranks second of thirty four players with one thousand or less minutes and at least 50 games played. As a role man, after he sets the screen and rolls to the basket, he made 71.4% of his shots in 2019. So let's say you get six shots a game out of him as a role man in, in the second or third unit. You can almost count on him every time to make that basket. And that's something that, that is underrated in the half court. If you can go down into a possession knowing you're going to get a bucket, uh, that's an underrated thing. And, and you make an awesome point, Austin. You didn't really get that with Amir Johnson. You definitely didn't get it with Boban, uh, not Greg Monroe, and and not even Kyle O'Quinn either. So at least now they have a legitimate serviceable center in the event that Dwight Howard needs some rest, and that would be in the event that he can't back up Joel Embiid if Joel Embiid needs rest. So uh, you're not going to see much out of Tony Bradley, but at the same time, you would have seen even less out of Zaire Smith in 2019 or, or 2020, rather. You would have seen nothing because he would have been – like I'm, looking at, I'm looking at the depth chart, depth chart that I made right now on their on their cap sheet, the Sixers, and um, I'm looking at this. And so right now they have like one or two point guards. Like you 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 can call Maxi a shooting guard or whatever you want a point guard. Milton you can call a point guard or a shooting guard whatever you want. But right now mm-hmm. it's like Simmons and they have they have two po- people that can that can like feasibly play point guard. They would have with Smith they would have had four people that could have feasibly played shooting guard. They would have had four people that would have feasibly been able to play small forward, three people that can play power forward, two that, that can play center. So, I mean, you, you just basically got rid of a crowded guard spot that you didn't that you knew you weren't going to use, and you fortified your, your, your depth at a spot where you needed to, to, to think about the scenario where Joel sits, who backs up Joel, or who backs up Dwight Howard when Joel sits. And, and I mean, and, 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 so you, so you you take a you take a, a flyer on a guy that has a little bit of upside, but really you know it it is just going to be a low maintenance kind of guy who's going to be if you if you if you define his role and make it simple can really be a, an asset for you I believe, um, and you know he isn't going to need touches it's just going to be run from run from rim to rim if Ben hits you then Ben hits you if there's a putback there get it but you're just getting rebounds and you're blocking shots. And that's really all they need you to do in those minutes that you're on the floor. Exactly. Another thing, I'm not going to say anything about Zaire Smith, his personality, because I haven't been around him or in the locker room to make that assessment. Uh, But if you're trying to build a championship winning team, you want to eliminate any problems in the locker room or any problems players might have with coaches by day one. Um, I think Zaire Smith is is probably a guy, he's younger and he was a first-round draft pick that would expect minutes. So he might look at the depth chart and see, okay, you've got Maxi here, a 21st overall pick. He's a young kid coming out of college. Uh, by seniority, I should get minutes over him. He might see a guy like Isaiah Joe or Furkan Korkmaz who are both bigger than him, but he might say, I'm more athletic. I have more bounce. I'm better in transition. They should be playing me at the two-guard spot. Uh, I, I don't think he's indicated that before but at the same time you want to prevent any of these problems so Tony Bradley I'm sure doesn't have any expectations that he's getting minutes over Dwight Howard or Joel Embiid so he'd be happy in the 11th or 12th man role uh, whereas Zaire Smith stashed away in the back end of the bench 
uh, might create some problems uh, if he doesn't get those minutes. Breaking news, Lakers trading trading JaVale McGee to Cleveland. <laughs> is that is that really breaking news? <laughs> ah, it's a brutal trade. That's so, a br- that's a brutal, brutal, brutal trade if you're the uh, if if you're Javale McGee. Oh this man, is, this is crazy to me though because first off, I don't know where the hell all of this money is coming from for the Los Angeles Lakers. I, I really don't. You get KCP forty million. They're sending J- McGee and a future second round pick. <laughs> yeah, so they they wanted to get him off of that team, but but like I was saying, which I guess KCP, means I I guess that means that they think they're gonna get. Um, Marcus All. That's true. That's true. Yeah, that 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 would make sense because it was down to two destinations: Toronto and the Lakers. I know Dallas emerged late, but it didn't seem like a legitimate destination for Gasol. So I I don't know where all this money's coming from. They get KCP for forty million dollars. They get Montrez Harrell for less money than Myers Leonard signed for in Miami. And, and it seems like Rich Paul is just running the NBA now. The Lakers have an entire clutch roster. They've got Trez, they've got Braun, they've got AD, they've got KCP. Uh, so kudos to Rich Paul for taking care of his people, man. Uh, Rich, Rich, Rich Paul has got a ton of influence in the NBA now, it seems. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I will I, – I, I'll say this. I will say this. Um, I think this bodes well for the Sixers because, I mean, if, if, if you think about it on the, on the front, like – yeah, what what the hell does it matter if 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 JaVale McGee's going to Cleveland? They're not trading. They're trading JaVale because they're trying to sign Marcus Gasol. You don't do that trade unless you know you have it done. Right. So it's clear that 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 Toronto is about to lose their second big in two days, um, and that's a pretty pretty significant loss for a team that 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 you know was a, a two seed in the East last year. I think the Toronto drops significantly. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna be a five or a six seed this year. Okay, Austin, I'm releasing a video probably by Friday, uh, which is gonna be my Eastern Conference standing predictions. So I don't want to give away too much. Uh, I'm not gonna give you all eight of of my Eastern Conference predictions, but I think Toronto falls out of the top five. Okay. I think they're a six seed in, in the 2020 season. Um. A couple of other teams on there would would consist of Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Philadelphia. Um, I'm not I'm not going to say the order. I, I have Atlanta uh, cracking top eight because I really like what the Hawks are doing with their roster right now. But yeah, two huge blows for Toronto, and at this point, free agency with with very limited forwards and centers left. I'm not really sure what direction they can go in to make up for that. There's there's really no centers that can defensively help Toronto out the way that Ibaka did and Gasol did. I mean, both of them were pivotal in delivering a championship for Toronto. And even last season, defensively, uh, great when Pascal Siakam decided to not show up in the first round of the NBA playoffs. Uh, so that's that's two tough losses for Toronto. Yeah, for sure. Um, take a quick break and get a word from our sponsors. Uh, do you like shotgunning beer? Do you want to increase your shotgun time at parties? Check out my boys at the King Cobra. King Cobra is a shotgunning tool that makes the perfect shotgunning hole in under a second. Also a tab puller, vent puncher, and all fits on a keychain. For more information about the King Cobra, check them out on Instagram uh, at the King Cobra Co. That's the King Cobra Co. And Cobra is spelled with a K. For a 10% discount on all products, enter the code TRUSTTHECOBRA10, all caps, all one word. Pick up yours today. Um, so, so I'm now I'm very intrigued by your Eastern standings prediction. Um, I'll give them to you right now if you want, honestly. No, 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 no. I'll I'll wait for the video. Wait for the video. Let me, let, let me read, let me give you mine and we'll see if we agree. Okay. And you just tell me like, yes, or you just like, "Mm -hmm," or no. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Milwaukee. Okay. Uh, Brooklyn. Okay. Philly. And this is in order? Yes. Interesting. Interesting. Your boy went with the same first three. I'll tell you that much. Your boy went with the same first three. All right. Miami. Okay. Boston. Okay. Toronto. All right. So Toronto is the sixth seed, like I just said. Keep going. 
Atlanta. Okay, Atlanta gets seven, and, and eight would be who? Uh, Indiana, Orlando. Washington. And there it is. Marcus Gasol is finalizing a deal to sign with the Lakers. Sources tell me, Adrian Wojnarowski, and uh, and 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 Zach Love. So there it is. Marcus Gasol to the Lakers gets a uh, it, it 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 takes a pretty substantial step back for the Raptors. Um, going off of that, so I will say, I guess, I'll tell you what, what if we say Atlanta the seven, okay. or no, 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 sorry, Indiana the seven. Yeah. I think it would be a close battle between Charlotte and Atlanta. I think Charlotte's a dark horse team to make the playoffs, Austin. I'm being yeah. serious. I think Charlotte is really a dark horse team to compete for the back-end playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. Me and you had more or less the same list, except four and five are interchangeable. And I'm still I'm deciding if I want to put Boston over Philadelphia or not. I haven't made that decision yet, and I'm not sure if I'm going to commit to it. But me and you more or less had the same list in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, and then who do you have in the West? See, the West is a little bit tricky. I'm still waiting to see where DeMarcus Cousins signs, okay? Uh, if Marcus Saul just signed with the Lakers, I would assume that the Clippers pursued DeMarcus Cousins. I don't know how much money they have, and they did just sign uh, Serge Ibaka to a two-year contract with an opt-out in the second. So I'm not sure if they can target DeMarcus Cousins, but if they do, uh, that makes the Los Angeles Clippers all the more stronger. Hey, what? I was shocked and completely caught off guard when Trez signed with the Lakers. I love Trez; he's my boy, uh, but he's he's an NBA op now. That that was an an, an absolute blindside signing uh, for Trez Harrell there. I'll tell you what. Go ahead. It would make make a lot of sense if maybe the Raptors go for Demarcus Cousins. I thought they would, and if Demarcus Cousins wants to wants to play and get legitimate starting center minutes, he could do that in Toronto. He he most definitely could. Uh, so if you're asking me to decide the Western Conference standings, I'm going to give you uh, Los Angeles, the Lakers, that is, with the first overall seed. Uh, the second seed, I'm going to say, goes to Denver. The third seed, I'm going to say, goes to Portland. The fourth seed, I'm going to say, goes to Dallas. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> the Pistons ju- are expected to waive and stretch recent acquisition Zaire Smith following wow. trade for Tony Bradley. Sources say, <laughs> "What is year, going man. on <laughs> here, man? Uh, oh man, what is going on here? Poor Zaire, and of course, it's Detroit of all teams. Detroit, the one team in the league that needs guards more than any other team, waves and and, and does that to Zaire. <laughs> I don't know what the game plan is in Detroit, but but Zaire Smith clearly wasn't a." Bu- you know what's crazy to me, Austin? A couple of weeks ago, we had a podcast, and uh, you asked why I was so passionately arguing with with some of the Sixers fans about trade packages, and we talked 30-plus minutes about a James Harden trade package versus what Brooklyn could offer. Here's my thing, right? I had to battle with Philadelphia Sixers Twitter for a couple of days because they were convinced that Zaire Smith was not a centerpiece but a legitimate asset in a trade for a guy like Buddy Heald or James Harden. And he gets traded to Detroit for Tony Bradley. Everybody loses their minds because, God forbid, you trade Zaire Smith, the, the, the what you call him, uh, the darling child. God forbid, God forbid you trade Zaire Smith, the darling child. The team he just traded him to doesn't even want him. Yeah. And now I'm thinking maybe the Raptors are going to go with Marquise Morris. Mark Stein says that. Aaron Baines, Aaron two Baines. years, fourteen point three million Toronto Raptors. That just that's came through. That's a good through. sign for Toronto, that, Austin. That's a really that's, good sign. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I like that. Um, Face the floor <laughs> out for Siakam. I guess no more Demarcus Cousins than Toronto. I guess not. Maybe he goes to Golden State. I just don't know what the market is for DeMarcus. I know a couple of reports indicated that there was teams interested in him, and he, he drew early interest from a lot of teams. But either I'm overrating DeMarcus Cousins or he's waiting his 
uh, waiting his good old time to sign a contract that he finds worth it. Can't believe that. Uh, I mean, that's just a crazy, crazy, crazy. Th- I, I, I would definitely have thought that Boogie would have been a, a ver- uh, maybe a sign that would have some upside. I guess maybe they're worried about the culture stuff. Yeah. Like, who knows? But um, I, I mean, I can't. I mean, it's now I do feel bad for Zaire Smith. We just spent like ten minutes talking about how it's a fresh start, and now it's like, uh, uh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have that fresh start in a different organization. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if he maybe goes overseas. Uh, who, who, who who knows? I mean, damn, that's that's tough. I mean, and it, it tells you, like, how they view, I mean, how low his value is. That even mm-hmm. the Pistons don't want him. And the Pistons have, like, six centers and one guard. Right. I mean, Zaire has played less than 15 games and less than 200 minutes in the past couple of seasons. He was a really high upside first round pick and uh, Philadelphia made that trade, which is going to haunt them for the entire duration of both Bridges and Smith's careers. But uh, yeah, that that really confuses me, Austin, because Detroit is a team that that lacks guards and they, they lack a future right now. They're in a clear rebuild. Uh, and, and it seems like the one spot for Zaire to have a fresh start in would be a team like Detroit. Um, but I guess now he's he's not a cheap flyer for any team if Detroit doesn't want to hold on to him. I'm curious to see who gives him a chance, if anybody. He's still young, though. I, what is he, 21? Not even 21 yet? I think he is 21. Mm-hmm. I, think that's the, I think that's the year he is right now. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, wow. So, I mean, that's still an upgrade for um, – it's still, I mean, I mean, the, the, I still think that they've taken a pretty significant step back to Raptors. Wouldn't you agree? Say that one more time. I'm sorry. I would still say that the Raptors have taken a pretty significant step back. Of course, yeah. Uh, defensively, you can't make up for the loss of Ibaka and Gasol with the free agents remaining. But Aaron Baines is a win-win sign. Uh, Baines takes a good little contract on himself, uh, so he bets on himself to maybe get a more lucrative deal after this. And uh, that's a good fit in Toronto. It, it definitely is. They can space the floor with the guys they have now: Norm Powell, Fred Van Fleet, um, Kyle Lowry, even uh, for Siakam. Cleveland is trading Jordan Bell and, Al- and Alfonso McKinney to the Lakers in the Gasol deal. Jordan Bell and Alfonso McKinney. That's that's an, another. I mean, for Javale McGee, that's that's good for the Lakers. You get some I'll, forward depth there. You're, you're four I'll, to five. I'll tell you, Rob Palenka is a hell of a GM. He definitely is. I like him a lot. I think he does a really good job for them. Um, so what so, the Lakers? What does the Lakers roster look like right now? They've they they've got a second unit that could probably be a starting five in the NBA. They they've got Trez Harrell, Marcus Saul, Dennis Schroeder, Kyle Kuzma, and who's their who's their backup two guard? I'm trying to think. Um, I have to look. Well, they just signed KCP to a deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I don't know. Caruso. I, I He's a point Caruso. guard. Yeah, he, well, Dennis Schroeder is going to be playing the point, so I I don't know what uh, Caruso is going to be doing. Um, but, yeah, the, the Lakers just got a, a lot better. The Lakers just got a lot better. They're better than and, they were before, and, and before they, the uh, before yeah, they, they won the Yeah, they won the 2020 NBA championship. And so I, you've got LeBron, AD, Schroeder. Uh, Marcus Saul, Kuzma, Trez Harrell, Caruso, KCP, Jared Dudley. Oh, yeah, Wes Matthews. That's who it was, Wes Matthews. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the Lakers have gotten much, much, much better, I think, on virtually all fronts. I mean, they've got to be the favorites to win it again, I would think. Most definitely. Yeah. Uh, most definitely. Yeah. So, I, I want to go back and discuss um, something that I've been seeing a lot of on Twitter recently, and it's that people think that, you're going to magically be able to just trade uh, Tobias Harris's contract in a deal that simultaneously gets you like Zach Levine or Buddy Heald. I want to, I want to make this clear to the listeners. There is no market for Tobias Harris. And if there, and if some team does trade for him, it isn't that, I'm like, you know, outlandishly wrong. It's because some team is poorly run. I mean, that's just the reality. I mean, his contract isn't, he's not worth the contract. And no one wants to pay him that over four years. 
and it it, it stopped trying to trade him. And even like as much as I just you know crush him for that contract, he's still a very good player. He's still a very good player, and you I still you know think that he provides a lot of value to this team. And he had his best he had his best season under under Doc Rivers. Give him a chance to prove himself before you trade him away. And you're also not going to get a guy that just averaged 26 points per game in Chicago in uh, in uh, Zach Levine, and you're and you're not going to get Buddy healed for him too. It doesn't it doesn't make any sense. Stop trying to trade him, and then on top of that, stop defending Carson Wentz and trashing <laughs> oh Tobias Harris. It's crazy I mean, that that Carson Wentz could lead the NFL in literally every statistical category for turning the ball over, uh, turnover margin, turnover worthy plays, interceptions, fumbles, uh, sacks, time. He can lead the NFL in every single possible category uh, for turning the football over, and people will still blame everything except for Wentz. It's the coach, it's the support system, uh, it's the weather, it's the offensive line, the receivers suck. And yet Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid, they breathe the wrong way and the whole fan base wants to trade them. I don't. I, I think I get it. Like I understand why uh, people are doing that and, and we're not ready to have that conversation with those people yet. Um, but it's just, it, it's ridiculous. And Austin, uh, going back to your point with Tobias Harris, I investigated him. I investigated him as a superstar. In fact. Yeah, and and people, people just like shut you down. Yeah, I, I I made the video. I proved that statistically, what you get on the court is is superstar worthy. If you're going to call some of the other players that that uh, post the same statistics as him superstars, you have to call Tobias Harris a superstar. Uh, the problem with the contract is he's productive and he's productive every single night. But is he thirty four million dollars a season productive? I would say no, but the problem is that's what the market is now, and you have to put everything in context. So in a vacuum, is Tobias Harris worth $34 million a season? And mind you, it's only going to get more expensive as the contract progresses. It goes to 35 then it goes to $37 million. So in a vacuum, is he worth that money? Absolutely not. In context to the other players that are making the same amount of money as him, uh, the Kyrie Irvings, the Jimmy Butlers, the Gordon Haywards, the Paul Georges. Absolutely, because statistically, he's he's producing the same, if not more, since his rookie season than all of those guys I just named. So in a vacuum, is he worth it? Absolutely not. But g- given context, I think he's worth the money he's getting. Uh, the problem is, is a team going to trade an asset for Tobias Harris? I don't think so. Uh, there, there, there will always be teams willing to take this money on. Uh, you just saw Gordon Hayward get thirty plus million dollars a season. It's absolutely crazy that we live in a world where Gordon Hayward is making twenty plus million dollars a season. Uh, Joe Harris is making seventy five million dollars. Berton's making eighty million dollars. It's, it's just the way the league is now. It's the market. Uh, so the Sixers definitely overpaid for Tobias Harris there, but you had to. You didn't really have a third complimentary star. You didn't have to guy. You didn't have a guy that could go get buckets. And and while he's not a, a great late game closer, uh, you can rely on him in the fourth quarter in situations when you need him. And another thing is this, Austin, uh, with with Brett Brown, how many times did you have players complain after they left Philadelphia about the role they had on the team? Uh, Glenn Robinson and Alec Burks didn't even wait until they left Philadelphia to complain about it. It, it took them two weeks to say that. Listen. We don't really know what our roles on this team are. And because of that, we're not as productive as we can be. And I think Tobias Harris fell victim to Brett Brown's coaching style. Uh, if you have a guy like Danny Green, or just look at what the Bucks do. Just look at what the Lakers do. Look at what the Heat did. They station guys in spots. Like, of course, Ty Hero is going to come around a screen. Duncan Robinson is going to come around a screen. But there's guys that stay in the corner. There's guys that stay on the wing, and they know – when Giannis drives, when Braun drives, when Jimmy Butler drives, I have to stay in this spot, and my job is to shoot this three ball. For Tobias Harris, you can use him as a guy in the pick and roll. You can use him as a stationary corner three-point shooter. You can use him as a stationary shooter on the wing. But the problem is, if he doesn't know his role, he can't do one thing exceptionally well. He's going to do a lot of different things, and there's going to be inconsistencies. And I think he fell victim to Brett Brown's coaching style. So maybe under Doc Rivers... 
if he can tell a guy like Tobias Harris, you're going to play 28 minutes a night. And for 20 of those minutes, we want you stationed in the corner, ready to catch and shoot off of Ben pass. He's going to thrive doing that. If they tell him, we want you as a pick and roll ball handler off of a Joel Embiid screen uh, 10 times a night, he's going to thrive at that, which is what happened last time he played under Doc Rivers. But if you tell a guy that, that he really has a handful of different responsibilities offensively and he, he never really knows when to use them, he doesn't know when he should drive, he doesn't know when he should catch and shoot, he's not going to thrive doing one thing. Uh, so I think if, if Doc is able to give Tobias a specific role on this team, you're going to see a better season from him. And that's saying a lot because the guy averages 20 points a night almost on, you know, 40 per, 45 plus percent shooting from the field, 35 plus percent shooting from three and 80 plus shooting from the free throw line. Uh, so that, that's, that's great value. Um, if he gets a specific role, I think we'll have a good season. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, and I think, with like the whole Brett Brown offensive system where it's all supposed to be organic and you just read and react to, to, what, to what the defense is giving you. That works in some situations when you have a clear hierarchy of players and people know how to win. In this situation, it didn't work because you had too many guys, a ton of roster turnover, not great chemistry. And as a result, that lack of structure just has everybody in shambles because they don't know what to do. And under Doc, if you if you if you simplify the game for players, they're going to become very good at those at at, at, at that simplified game yeah. because they're they're going to know exactly what their jobs are on the floor. If yeah. you don't know what your job is, you, it's hard to it's hard to specialize in any one or two things. As a result, you don't know what you're doing. And so, I. I expect Tobias to have a better year. Um, and, you know, I, I, I expect, you know, if, if the Sixers are a two or three seed, they're probably going to have three all-stars. They're probably going to have three guys that are in consideration. I mean, if you think about it, a lot's going to have to go right for them to be past Milwaukee, to get, to get past um, Miami, past Boston and past one of uh my uh Brooklyn and and um Milwaukee and if they're doing that if they are two or three seed that means that they have at least two guys that are really really playing at an all-star capacity exactly Tobias could be one of them yeah for sure maybe it's Tyrese Maxey who knows yeah and I'm you know I'm really intrigued to see what role he plays here because I kind of people think that he's a, a shooting guard I view him as like a point guard more than a shooting guard okay I, I see that's that's the first time I've heard that, and I agree. I mean, in transition as a pick and roll ball handler in the half court, I think he's got really good vision as a ball handler. Right. So if if he emerges as that secondary ball handler, or if he can consistently play the point, it uh, means you don't have to go out and you don't have to get a Derrick Rose or a DJ Augustine or an Austin Rivers. Uh, the guy's on your roster. He he fell in your lap at twenty one. So if he proves to be a good enough ball handler. Uh, Doc's going to give him an opportunity. He played SGA and Landry Sham at 20 plus minutes in their rookie seasons. Uh, so if the talent's there, he's going to get minutes. For sure. Now, yeah, do you have a couple minutes left in the show? Let's talk about the rest of their free agency moves. They do have, uh, they still do have some needs. I'm not, I'm not sure if they're playing over Tony Bradley, but they do have some needs still. They need, a, uh, you know, ideally another point guard, um, maybe even a backup power forward. Because after Tobias Harris, you have Mike Scott and Paul Reed. That probably isn't going to cut it. So they do have some so, some moves to make there still. So I'm looking at um, you know like the, the available free agents, and there are a couple guys I have my eyes on. Brock, who who else do you still have with your eyes on? At the power forward position, I think Markeith Morris is a legitimate option and an upgrade offensively and defensively over Mike Scott. Uh, Dario Saric is the name that keeps floating around. He is restricted, so I think Phoenix has the opportunity to match the offer sheet. Uh, but if you could get Dario for cheap uh, defensively, he, he he could be disguised and on offense. Uh, he could space the floor, and, and he's got a good little arsenal of moves. Uh, so other than those two, I, I don't really know what Philadelphia is going to do or what direction they go in. 
Uh, we we talk about how how backcourt minutes are scarce, are scarce rather. <laughs> you've got you've got five or six guys that could play the two or three position, like you just said. Uh, so I, I don't know how many guards are available that Philadelphia want to target. Um, but another name that I really haven't seen anybody say, and probably because he can't shoot, uh, would be Rondé Hollis Jefferson. Uh, defensively, Ooh. a very switchable player, uh, tough tough rebounder. He moves a lot off ball, so. Uh, he'd be a good compliment transition and, and a name you probably haven't heard too often. That's an interesting one. He comes home. That'd be an interesting one. I'm actually really good friends. One of my best friends, Monty, is a cousin of Rondé Hollis Jefferson. Really? Uh, if I was a bad friend, I'd ask him to ask Rondé where his head's at or what's going to happen in free agency. But ironically, we, we've been friends for over a decade now, and we hardly talk about Rondé. That's, that's inter- you have a couple of very subtle connections, don't you? <laughs> I don't take advantage of them, but yeah, I do. I, I definitely do. It's funny. Um, my my guess is, I mean, just just reading the patterns of what they're doing, um, I would say my guess is like they go for like Dario, they go for Ursan Ilyasova. And then maybe they save some space for 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 like the trade deadline or some trades. I mean, I, I think that they have a couple of moves left in store, but I think right now it's just kind of hard to predict what they're going to be because I think they're trying to wait things out, and again take that 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 top down approach of we this is the height of this this is the ceiling that we want, this is the most we want to spend. Let's look at all the options going downwards instead of upwards, and so. They're waiting for the market to materialize and play out before they swoop in with what they think is the best offer. That, that, that's what I think. And I think right. they have a trade in the books. I think there's something that's going down with the trade. That I, I just I, there are some names that there are some names that I would have pursued if I were them that they didn't pursue that they didn't get. Um, and I wonder if it's and I'm thinking it's because there's a trade in the works they're they're trying to save up for and wait out. Mm-hmm. I think so too. Uh, DJ Augustine got way more money than Philadelphia could offer, but uh, the fact that they let Austin Rivers go, um, Nerlens Noel before Dwight Howard. I think there may be something in the works. I mean, if both you and I see opportunities for improvement, Daryl Morey sees them too. We're not smarter than Daryl Morey. So if we see these areas of improvement uh, that Philadelphia needs to fill, I mean, he sees them too. I'm just curious in what the next direction is because in terms of free agent point guards left, it's really just Langston Galloway. And Austin, do you think – I mean, Langston Galloway is, is a pretty efficient point guard and, and he has some Philadelphia ties, but do you think there's really minutes available for him at that backup point guard position? Because uh, Doc has spoken really highly of, of Shake Milton. So I'm, I'm curious, if there's no minutes, why would you just waste the money to have Langston Galloway on your roster? I think he's a shooting guard. That's what I think. Or, or Shake. Yeah, I mean, I just... I would like Langston Galloway on this team because he's a good shooter. Um, but I just see that they're – I see what their depth looks like. They, yeah, they have Danny Green, who I guess might be part of the trade. I mean, it's kind of fishy that he hasn't been announced yet. I wonder why that is, but who knows. Is I think that the, isn't it. that the uh, money, money problem with OKC, or did, did they solve it? I, I don't know. I mean, OKC has made a trade. Shit, it seems like every day. Yeah. They lifted yeah. But like they have, they have Danny Green, they have Fiable, they have Ferguson, if Corkmaz that can all feasibly play small forward, Curry, Maxi, Milton, Joe could play shooting guard. So I mean, there's like the, the only position that they're really lacking at is back is like a defined backup point guard and a you know a power forward. And I, and I just don't think that that that's where that's where the Galloway money would go to. That's just me. Mm-hmm. Brock, we, we do have to go. We will be back in the, I'm assuming soon once, when something else breaks and something else they do happens. Um, but until then, where can people find you? On Twitter at Landis Brock. That's L A N D E S B R O C K. My YouTube is Brock Landis and you can find me on the painted lines, YouTube channel. We've been blowing up over there. I'm trying to get my next video to 10 K views. Uh, my last one peaked at around 8.2. Uh, thousand so uh, i'm aiming for 10k eventually you can find me on all three uh youtube twitter and and on the feed to mb's account as well there we go find me on twitter at mba krell 
Uh, also, Painting the Lines, always doing some writing. Last Out Media, daily, weekly column. YouTube, the Painted Lines, and Party Going Broad, and whatever else we're doing on a given day. Um, I'm Austin Krell. He is Brock Landis. As always, thank you for tuning in, everybody. Have a good night. And uh, get ready. The ba- basketball season is back. College basketball begins this week. NBA in about a month. And uh, so, so, so enjoy these last couple weeks with no, with no distractions other than football. Because right now, basketball is back. Take care, everybody. Have a good night.